Welcome to The Deciding Point, our Crack Rackets weekly roundup of the biggest stories going on throughout the tennis world. Joining me to break it all down, as he always does, you know him as our Crack Rackets do everything, forefather of the forehand slice, it's James Foster McDonald. Jamie, another week of the offseason in the books. How are you holding up? I'm all right. I got my Chiefs red on here to support the Kansas City uh, group here. That's that's all I can hope for at this point. But from a tennis standpoint, hey, you know this. We talked at length uh, late into the night last night. I'm excited. I'm really excited for what 2021 holds. So I'm really excited to record this with you, obviously. Yeah, and that is going to be the focus of today's show. We want to look forward to 2021, name our five players we are most interested in heading into this season. Of course, a lot of these names you are going to be familiar with. We will break them all down as we always do. With that in mind, Westoff, give me those deciding point credits and let's start the show. So what Jamie and I are going to be doing today, again, we agreed on five players beforehand that we wanted to break down as our most interesting heading into this season. We've got one stat on each player for all of you that we think tells the story of their season is something we should all be watching for and may define whether they have the sort of success they're looking for in 2021. With that in mind, Jamie, let's start with our first player. And it's a guy we're all very familiar with at this point. It's world number one, Novak Djokovic. Djokovic quietly Another phenomenal season in 2020, 41-5 overall. He captures that 2020 Australian Open title. It looks like he's going to break Federer's record for most weeks at number one in the 2021 season. All things seem to be pointing in the right direction, and yet... I feel like that 41-5 and five is deceiving. I feel like he may have lost half a step. It wasn't the Novak Djokovic of 2016-2015 that we saw in 2020. That being said, he is one of our most interesting players. What will you be watching most closely next season? Yeah, I mean, look, uh, this is a good theme for the entire uh, episode we have here, but I tried to pick my statistics preempting something ridiculous that you would say, so uh, bear in <laughs> mind that that's how I chose all of mine. But for me, the story of Djokovic is like, let's not overreact here. His match win percentage has increased each of the last four years, um, and in these last three, he's won five slams. So for me, it's like, okay, yeah, we may have seen him not do so hot. He phoned it in on a couple matches toward the end of the year, but let's not overreact here. Yeah, I I think you're not wrong. I would say, you know, the stat I'm going to turn to, he had his lowest second serve win percentage. It was 53.1%. That's the lowest since 2010. And obviously 2010 was the last season we saw Novak Djokovic not be Novak freaking Djokovic. So you're right. On the surface level, I mean, he went, what, 15-2 and in tiebreakers this year. That's after going 14-4 and last year. In the clutch moments, the biggest stages, he can be down. And you can never count him out. He proved that against Monfils in Dubai, against Tiemann. Australia. He was really good in 2020, and yet, we talked about this off mic, but his game is so predicated on physicality, and you see these young players coming up, Medvedev, the Tsitsipas, the Choriches, even Demon Hours of the world. They want to make these matches track meets, and I do worry. Let's say Novak loses half a step. You know, his first serve win percentage is up to 76% these past two seasons. I don't know if it's ever going to get any better than that, and I do wonder the way Rafa serves in volleys, the way Federer's doubled down on being aggressive, coming to the net. What is the Djokovic adjustment he does to prolong his career? Is it get more aggressive on the serve? I don't know. 
Yeah, look, it's a fair point. That adjustment is going to have to happen at some point. I mean, for me, uh, look, you and I talk about this. I think he just needs to get stop getting bored with his game because if he makes like seven balls in a row, he's just miserable to play against. And yes, the Daniil Medvedevs are going to be a horrible matchup for him, and, and, and we know that, but he'll he'll find some sort of adjustment. I don't know if it's going to be outright aggression um, and an increase on that side like we've seen from Federer, but again, I'm not worried because this guy's a problem solver and he figures things out both off-court and on-court. Yeah, of course, another big number for him. He's got 17, Rafa's got 19, Roger's got 20. There are going to be fewer and fewer opportunities as soon as more of these new guys break through. Uh, you imagine they'll want to run up their counts as well, so of course that's something to watch heading into 2021. But with that in mind, let's get to our next player, another guy we think is fascinating heading into the 2021 season, and that's Grigor Dimitrov. And quietly, Grigor Dimitrov, 17-10 and 10 during the 2020 season. That's his highest win percentage since 2017, when of course he ended the year as the year-end champion for Grigor Dimitrov. Jamie, what will you be watching most closely heading into 2021? Yeah, so Grigor Dimitrov going to be a really interesting one. Real quick, hate to be that guy, but uh, Nadal does have 20 now in tied Fed, so there's that. Uh, but anyway, yeah, no, on Grigor Dimitrov, <laughs> on Dimitrov, look, it's about winning points on serve for him. We've seen the struggles that he's had, and, and that shows up in the statistics as well. In two out of the last three years, he's been under 50% on his win percentage of second serves. That's just not going to be good enough. You look back to the years he had great success, the 2014, 2017, you know, he's having great success on both his first and second serves. It's just really dipped in the last few years. So for me in 2021, he's got to get that part under control. Yeah, I think that was something I noticed as well, and it's not as though his first serve percentages has have dipped. I mean, this year he made 62.6%. That's fewer than he made last season by half a percentage point, and that's not that big in terms of a number, but in tennis, that makes all the difference. Half a percentage point is three more first serves made on a deuce point or a 40-30, whatever it may be, and yeah, I think for Grigor, it's just the confidence. I think so much of his game is predicated on being match tough, on being willing to hit that big forehand down the line, move in behind that risky approach on, just put pressure on his opponents. And in order to do that, he absolutely needs to be having success on both the first, but as you mentioned, even more importantly, that second serve. Because of course, the book is out on Grigor Dimitrov. He knows this his opponent serves heading to his backhand. And yet, I don't think we've seen him slip at all athletically. I thought he played really well down down the home stretch, the win over Tsitsipas uh, before losing to Demon Hour in three. I thought that was, a you know, both really good results overall. Uh, I think he's absolutely someone who can be in the mix, maybe not to win a Grand Slam, but would it shock you to see him make a quarterfinal, semifinal run? I don't think so. No, I, I totally agree. I think he should be, you know, with his level, he should be a contender at the Slams, 100%. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so we will watch that from him in 2021, at least hope to see it from Grigor Dimitrov. Let's move to our next player now, Jamie, and it's our first next-gen player, which of course we love talking about oh so much here at Cracked Rackets. And by the way, if any of you have missed any of our off-season coverage, our next-gen ATP 2.0 series you can find on our mini-break podcast and on our website. But this is a guy we are not going to be talking about in that series because it's pretty safe to say he is well-established, and that of course is Felix. Ogier Aliasim, FAA making another, I believe, three finals here, or maybe it was two finals, who knows, down the home stretch. I'm scrambling everything, folks, but FAA, I would say a step forward unequivocally in 2020, and yet a lot of people will point to the fact that he's, what, 0-5, 0-6 now in his first uh, five or six ATP finals, and to some people, that matters a lot. What do you say about FAA heading into 2021? 
Well, funny enough, I actually have a different 0-6 statistic um, to share with FAA. And, <laughs> and for me, it's not about the finals. It's in the last year, 0-6 against top 10 opponents. Um, and so, again, this is preempting what I know you're going to say, something positive. And, and look, look, I think the potential's there. He's great. I, I think we just need to make a clear distinction that, hey, he's not quite there yet. Those other next-gen guys or maybe the next-gen originals um, who are making the strides, those guys are beating top teners left and right. They're in the top 10 themselves. FAA, a little bit removed from that. And while I do think he's making great strides, he's 0-6 against the top 10 this year. So not quite there, but really exciting to see him knocking on that front door. Yeah, look, here's the stat I have for all of you, and we're going to equate FAA to the big four, and those are big shoes to fill, and that is not a fair comparison for any young talent, but I'll just say this. FAA, this was his age 19, age 20-ish season. Let's just compare where he's at to some of the big four. Uh, For Novak Djokovic, he had made three ATP finals. Now, he had won two titles, both of them coming in his age 19 season, but still, you know, the two titles, the wins were over Meltzer, I believe, and against Nicholas Massou, like that no one's writing home about those two Novak Djokovic titles. So I'm sorry, FAA lost a couple of matches to Zverev. Uh, Djokovic was inside the top 20, FAA inside the top 20. Uh, For Andy Murray, same deal. One title, three finals. Uh, He was inside the top 20, no further. That's right where FAA is. Roger Federer, zero titles at this point of his career. Uh, He had made only two finals. That's obviously fewer than FAA uh, had. And yes, you know, Roger Federer also inside the top 20. The thing, you know, the, the exception is Rafael Nadal, who was so good at such a young age. And I guess what I'm trying to say is uh, all of those players in their age 20, age 21 seasons made big leap forwards, not just into the top 10, but for Novak Djokovic, I believe he either won or made the finals of that 2007 Indian Wells. And that was really his first big breakthrough at a big event. And from there, he kind of took off. And, you know, same deal with Murray, same deal with Federer. I think 2021 is a season we could see FAA take off and all indications point towards that yeah i agree listen you threw like nine stats at me but uh we'll let it, we'll <laughs> let it slide no i mean look I, I think the really interesting dynamic too and you know I, we talked about this the young canadians i feel like Shapovalov and faa obviously they've grown up playing side by side Shapo got on the scene a little bit earlier is slightly older but now they've kind of been jockeying for you know who's looking better the popularity contest who's going to be the best and so 2021 I, I mean i think it's still a question mark for both of them of who is going to look better and, and sort of flex that potential but regardless going to be really fun to watch faa and 2021. All right, Jamie, well, make up for it on this one, as I have no stats for this next player, but he is unequivocally someone we agreed is one of the most interesting players heading into the 2021 season, and honestly, he's one of the most fascinating characters in tennis on the court, off the court. Of course, we are talking about Nick Kyrgios, who we did not get to see much of during this 2020 season, only really played ATP Cup Australian Open one event after that. Now, he had some great wins in the ATP Cup. He beat Paz in the Australian Open. He beat Hachinov, barely uh, lost to Rafa Nadal, and you could tell he was physically drained, yet still managed to push that match to four sets. Thought he looked really good in what we saw in 2020. He's now had a year to get healthy, and of course, that's always such an issue for him. Again, I have no stats, but just what are your things you'll be looking for? Why are the reasons we have Kyrgios on this list? 
Yeah, I mean, we just always forget, or not always, but, you know, if he's in and out with injury, or especially in 2020 when we just didn't get to see much of him because he decided to not play during a lot of the pandemic, <laughs> you just forget how good this guy is. I mean, it's insane. Um, obviously, when he really broke out on tour, the big, you know, the big story was, wow, he can beat the big guys, and he proved it. Um, but now, I mean, look, just in terms of consistency, sure, there's always a question mark. But for me, what's really exciting now is that in his last meeting against Tsitsipas, Zverev, Medvedev, Hatchinov, mm-hmm. I know you mentioned a couple of those, plus a bonus one in Djokovic, even though it was a long time ago, he's beaten them in that in their last meetings with those players. And those guys are at the top of the game. So for me, you know, the question about Nick Kyrgios is not can he beat these guys, is will he beat these guys? You know, is he going to be mentally locked in? Is he going to be healthy? Is he going to be playing all of the big tournaments? So it's really fun to watch. And, and look, I'm, I'm just excited to see him back on court. Yeah, look, I mean, go watch that 2020 ATP Cup match against Tsitsipas. The level of play was phenomenal. Go watch the Hatchinov match. It was such a fun thing in Australia. And whenever Nick Kyrgios is on the court, uh, he entertains. It's why he's such a polarizing player. And I just hope we see him healthy. I hope he has used this year to stay in shape, to really get ready for this 2021 season. Because as things start to open up in the men's game, you mentioned all the people he's beaten. Uh, there's no reason he can't be competing for Grand Slam titles, being at be at the top of the men's tennis game. And so, yeah, I think unequivocally, one of our most interesting players heading into the 2021 season. Uh, Of course, for our deciding point, we wanted to talk about the American men because that's where our roots are in here at Cracked Rackets. You and I have grown up watching all of these players ascend through the junior ranks. So many of them now starting to establish themselves at the top of the men's tennis game. Tiafo, Paul, Fritz, Opelka, all hovering inside that top 50 around it or better. Uh, I asked you, give me one player, one stat. Who is the American man you will be watching most closely, and what are you going to be looking for? Yeah, for me, it's Riley Opelka, and, and unsurprisingly, it starts and honestly probably ends with the serve as well <laughs> um, in Riley Opelka. So for me, it's it's that first serve win percentage. It's increased each of the last four years, which, you know, not only has he just been getting better on that serve itself, but he's been playing against better and better competition and still continuing to execute at a really high level, which tells me he's understanding his game and improving his serve. He's incredibly dangerous, and so I'm excited and, and hopeful that that trend will continue in 2021. Yeah, I think that's a really good pick. I'm going to focus on another young American whose game is predicated on the serve, and that's Taylor Fritz. And what's so amazing for Taylor Fritz, clearly, I mean, that service motion as natural as anyone since Pete Sampras. The ball just explodes off of his racket. 2020 was the first season he eclipsed the 60% mark on his first serve in percentage, and notably, he was up to a 78.1 win percentage on those first serve points. That's the highest mark of his career. And look, as soon as his athleticism catches up to the other parts of his game. There's no denying Taylor Fritz has the talent to be a top 15, top 10 player. The question is, can he win enough easy points right now uh, to offset the fact that he's not the greatest mover that the game has seen? And I think, you know, that question, that balance for him, it's tilting more and more in his favor. And just, you know, again, for him to be the player he wants to be, he's got to be making more than 65% of his first serves. And it's a possibility for him to do that. He's just 
just got to get closer and closer to that mark. So I think for all of these guys, 2020, you know, Tommy Paul, Francis Tiafo, Pelka Fritz, unequivocally a step forward. You've got guys like Korda, Nakashima, Spida in the ranks, uh, in the queue as well, working their way up. 2021 could be a really fun season for American men's tennis fans. Uh, but of course, there are so many players we could have talked about. Jamie and I were joking beforehand. Should we do 30 minutes on Guido Peo? We really could have. Uh, we're not going to on this show. But of course, again, we will continue to break down this offseason name, the players we look most forward to seeing in 2021 throughout our various Crack Rackets platforms. But we also want to know who you guys will all be watching most closely. So please let us know if you agree, disagree with any of our takes, which players you will be watching most closely. Uh, and but uh, and of course, uh, we hope you enjoy your holiday season. So with that in mind, uh, for my wonderful co-host James Foster McDonald, our super producer Daniel Westoff, and all of us here at Cracked Rackets. You've been watching another edition of The Deciding Point. We are oh so close to the 2021 season kicking off, and we hope you're as excited for it as we are. But with that in mind, we hope you enjoyed this week's show, and we'll see you all next week. Thanks, everyone.